0: Hey y'all, pretend we're fo- actually pretend we're basketball this week. I'm your host Will Bazer and I'm joined alongside by Johnny Brashear and Tim Preston as always. Y'all you listening to the Budos Band right now bringing us in, and the Hornscast Channel as always. Texas basketball just played the potentially best and the potentially worst teams in the nation in less than a week. So we're going to tell y'all where exactly Texas fits in between those two teams after we really break down the Gonzaga game. It is Gonzaga. I was yelled at on Twitter about that. It's Gonzaga because it's the Zags. We'll tell y'all how to feel about that game, how Texas did both offensively and defensively when we really break it down, and what Texas can take out of last week and apply it to the rest of the year. Gentlemen,
1: how are we feeling this week? I do kind of wish we could pretend we're football, if for the sole reason that I I really can't stop thinking about the Terry Middleton question at Sark's press conference, uh, which, if I am aware of a question from a football press conference, it's probably a bit out of the norm.
0: What was the question?
1: Oh, it's a, it's a delight. It's not a question I can do justice to because it is nearly a minute long. And it has things... It has him saying things like a staff of coaching juggernauts which is not an opinion, but a fact. And he asks Sark how he can unfold the onion of the problems he's having. It's it's a... It's, it is, has like an extremely high freshman plan to honors really wants to get into creative writing energy about it and uh, I cannot uh, I cannot recommend highly enough that y'all go out and listen to that thing because it is a delight it is the worst question I have heard in eons it's amazing
0: Kirk Bowles is in the discussion here so it, yes, it think, must
1: be something special think of it this way I heard that and my first question after who the fuck asked that question? Was is he gunning for Bill Little's spot? Because it's that super flowery, ass-kissy sort of demeanor that that Little really does does well, and and so just felt like he was he's like you know that guy might die soon, so if you're looking to hire, uh, I can intern.
0: Well, there are certainly feelings that many people have There's the last weekend.
1: There's That's the first time I was made aware of Horns Illustrated as an entity and it's because of that dude's question. He did his job. He did. No such thing as bad press. Am I right, Tim? So last week you kept the
2: Budos band going for the entirety of the song. I just hope that that becomes a continuous oh, thing. <laughs> 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 so this feels like the kind of segment here that we want to keep that song on through the entire thing. So... Uh, that's the only real uh, take I've got on this. So,
0: I hope they're okay with that.
2: <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine they won't be, or maybe they will be. I don't know, but uh, I mean, I was, I was, I listened very intently, trying to figure out, like, okay, what's going to happen in the song? Is there going to be, like, no offense, Budo's band? I haven't actually looked up your entire song, so I appreciate Will playing it for us. Uh, it's like, oh, is there going to be something different going on? And
0: it's just a lot of the same kind of smooth cool stylings so that was uh that was nice i really do enjoy the budos band like they have a lot i was it was difficult to figure out which song to choose to really put this show out there i went through a number of them and i kind of just wanted a chill vibe really i don't know if it's a perfect song for the show but i do like the song so it's stuck so just a chill vibe in and then absolute utter chaos
2: it really fits Johnny's personality and his musical stylings as well. Oh yeah. So just a, a perfect symmetry there for us.
0: hundred percent. When I think of the music that Johnny loves, it is the Budos band.
1: And cocaine. But uh, to be fair, you think about cocaine all the time.
0: That is also true. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie on the show. I've been lied on the show once, I'll never gonna do it again. I'm never never gonna do it ever. I didn't do it again, I don't know why I said it again. Anyways, uh Guys, let's talk basketball here. Texas just faced Gonzaga in Spokane, Washington. Chris Beard said that this is exactly the type of games that Texas in the basketball world need.
1: Thoughts. And, and that he was going to schedule more of these. That's. Don't, let's not forget that part of it, where Chris Beard noted non-conference scheduler said into a microphone that was recorded and posted online for other people to hear that these are the kind of games he likes to schedule does he now i found it really interesting that i you know i went through reading various people's takes on their, their recaps of the games and uh you know what they thought about the sort of draft potential of certain people and um sam viceni on on the athletic who is a guy who doesn't really say anything negative about coaches kind of said with all due respect chris beard i've seen your schedules and that's uh, we'll, we'll see okay uh, good good luck man go, go ahead and do that go ahead and start scheduling those
2: I was intrigued by him saying, I think his exact words were, this game is what's right with college basketball. I think he spoke about uh, our game against Gonzaga, and then, uh, for okay, first of all, I, I wanted to be known that I completely succumbed to peer pressure and was quite certain it was Gonzaga, and then both Johnny and Will were like, Gonzaga. I was like, I don't, uh. but being the little bitch I am, I did not, uh, I said nothing. So um, I just want to know that I am a I am a weakling, and uh, unwilling to stand up to even my closest of friends. But the only um, one who's correct. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, but I was right. <laughs> but, uh, but no one, c- actually, I can say that because I didn't say shit last week, so you guys would have no idea. So uh, even off the air, I said nothing. Uh, anyways. Uh, this this is anyway. also
1: a good way to find out that <laughs> Tim will let you walk in front of a train because he doesn't, he doesn't want to come across as, as improper. So. Look, you, you might be right. How do I know?
2: Uh, Tim, are you British? <laughs> uh, uh you, of of background, yes, Canadian and British, yes, and then partly this, Swedish. This,
0: uh. A lot of things are starting to make sense here. Oh yeah, Canadian oh, yes. and British. A lot of things are starting to make a lot of sense.
1: Love gravy. Don't oh, see the incredible. Swedish though. Really, don't see the Swedish. Uh, well, you are an asshole.
2: Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. but uh, but I I just just I I don't want to say. Uh, The hypocrisy of saying that that game and the UCLA Villanova game is what's right with basketball, with college basketball, uh, it just, it hits you right, right, right in the place where you don't want to be hit. And, um, you know, as if he's not in charge of these things, as if there's some, like, you know, marionette guru who's deciding all the games and figure, oh, this was our turn to suck. Okay, like, I guess it's this, this was our year to to not have a great non-conference season. Like, eh, no, that's not cool, so... So it's it it's it's yeah, it's again. I his non-conference scheduling is a perfectly legitimate way to do it. I don't know that I agree with it. I don't think it's a great thing to do. I think it probably actively works against what he says is one of his missions, which is like igniting the fan base and bringing the previous Texas uh, players around. I don't think if you talk to the Texas players of old and said, "Hey, what do you remember most?" Like, oh, I remember our awesome games against ut pan-american that was my favorite thing no they were their big games against arkansas or against a or against oklahoma or against like whatever great team they play those are the games that people remember uh but but here it is so i i understand why he's doing what he's doing but it sucks to have him like talk out of both sides of his mouth like that so
0: i wasn't going for like absolutely shitting on the guy but yeah that's fun uh Let's go let's take a look at the basketball court now, though. Texas, I mean, obviously didn't do didn't play the best game against Gonzaga. They were down by twenty at a half off of just I mean, just it just summed up the night, but on the court, break it down for me, X's and O's wise, How did Texas try to scheme for Gonzaga? What do they do wrong and what do they
1: do right? So I I wouldn't say that the half court shot was emblematic of of the the game to that point because no I'm just talking f- about
0: that, the entire night.
1: Yeah, no. I, the the what I'm getting at is that that half court shot was a little bit fluky, and what Gonzaga did was was not fluky at all. It was systematic. Oh no, I they, just they, meant
0: they, I just meant heart heart wrenching and just despairful. I
1: laughed when it just happened. Soul crushing, soul crushing. <laughs>
0: That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you.
1: I I I mean. By that point, it was obvious or how this game was going to go. Hope, and hope crushing. What, how, how did you have hope when they were down seventeen with three seconds? You left? know,
0: it's just like a, another thing. It's like, oh, a, a fucking course that happens.
1: Yeah. Okay. I can get that. All right. Yeah. So I, how did Te- what did Texas scheme for this? Uh, it didn't appear that they did. <laughs> uh, they, they tried to run their motion thing and then uh gonzaga went well oh, we're just going to stay in front of you and and then texas was like oh well fuck um i guess uh i guess it's time for timmy allen to start shooting threes cuz that's the primary goal of this offense is timmy allen threes how and then, can you remind uh, look,
0: me what his percentage was last year
1: uh he was a career 30% guy give or take uh, like 29 something Oh, was it 27? Okay. Yeah. yeah, even better. Um, yeah. So um sweet. Yeah. Uh Gonzaga basically it just said uh we know basically what kind of motion you're gonna run, and we have superior athletes, and we're gonna stay in front of it. And good luck. Uh see what you can do. Uh maybe you get past our guards, uh, but then we have a dude with a 12 foot eight wingspan sitting back there. Uh, so he could just alter whatever. I didn't see a lot of like interesting wrinkles or, uh, new ways of doing things. What I saw was a team with legitimate NBA talent, uh, who was playing a cohesive uh, form of basketball, just dominate a, a, a team that does not really have NBA talent and is still figuring things out. you know um, i I wanna I, I feel like a lot of people uh, and and understandably want to give Texas a bit of a pass saying, well, they got a lot of new faces, they got they're trying to figure things out. Uh, well, Gonzaga has got a lot of new faces too. They just have a lot of really, really talented new faces. and that can help. Um, i I do think that there's something to, Mark Few having his system in place and his ideas in place, and he is doing sort of an incremental change rather than wholesale like Beard is doing, so there's some of that. But at the same time, both of these teams are breaking in a lot of new faces, and uh, one is doing a much better job of it than the other thus far.
2: It seemed like some of the unselfishness that made the exhibition game and the game against Houston Baptist fun to watch Passing people open, uh, looking for again those skips and reversals, things I've been talking about quite a bit. Um, that seemed to be more of a of a negation of success in this game because it felt like people were passing up decently open shots, or at least shots that were going to be about as open as we got against Gonzaga, as you said, or Gonzaga, sorry. Um, because of you know, like like Johnny said, like this, the ominous presence of Holmgren, like one of the longest humans in the college basketball game. Uh, that was that was tough there, and I and I think that obviously we're. I don't want to say this is a team that is um that is missing some type of you know will talk last time about like everyone's an alpha and and I think that that's true in a lot of cases although there are some notable exceptions you can talk about this but this team just really seems to be missing a guy that would say like no I, I would you say is a is an Andrew Jones 18 or, to 25 footer a really good look or is a Marcus Carr 12 footer to 20 footer a good look or is a Courtney Ramey a good look or a Trey Mitchell in the, you know, the eight to 12 foot, like, like what, what is our actual good look? Like what are the looks that we really, really want? Like we can count on them. And part of that is, as Johnny said, the growing pains of figuring out who we are and what's going on, but also part of it's like, Hey, who's going to step up? Like who's going to make those shots? It was, there was absolutely no question for Gonzaga. Like there they, they had no question who was going to take that over. And we did. So no matter what looks we were running or what kind of scheme we were, we were trying to go for against them. It did seem like there were there were a lot of question marks amongst our players, like what kind of look are we trying to find? And in some respects, I kind of appreciate that because uh, that that seems to me to be an, ex- uh, an example of Beard not saying, like, no, I'm going to tell you what looks we want. Um, so I like that. I, th- I think that obviously hopefully he's kind of figuring that out along with the team, that he doesn't have a preconceived notion of what kind of shots he wants in each situation. So, so I take that as a bit of a positive, even though I do think we're going to have to find that. But um, if we were looking for a perfect shot, Gonzaga was certainly a good enough and long enough and athletic enough team that they were going to find their ways to to keep us from that. Um, and it sort of, it, it played out that way. And Gonzaga was like, "Hey, we're going to execute every single time on the floor, and we have a we have our touchdown play that we can run every time." And Texas did not. So
0: yeah, and speaking about trying to find the perfect, you know, the shot that they want, they're also trying to find the combination of guys that they want on the field on the on the court you're looking at the past few three games i guess if you're also taking in texas lutheran but trying to find out who's gonna stay in for the majority of the game where you know we usually play the 30 10 game if you look at andrew jones in the last game you only played 17 minutes whereas you know he was playing you know we we're expecting him to play 30 or you know brock cunningham's playing 20 Devin askew's playing 15 Jace Febris is playing 30. Christian Bissop is playing 12. And you don't even have to sue in there. So trying to figure out the correct combination of guys in this system right now is another thing that's sort of how, ha- you know, you have to gel with the new guys. Now, the issue is, is that, you know, they might think they find the five or seven guys on the team that are going to play the majority of the minutes, but they're going to be against some of the worst teams in the nation. It's not going to be an actual competition until Seton Hall in about a month. Yeah, you might find a potential correct combination, but you're not going to really know it's the correct
1: one until Seton Hall, and that's when it's too late. So I watched the first half again um, and parts of the second half again to kind of get a sense of things, and I'm reminded of – what was it about three seasons ago where Texas made a real commitment to play in super fast. Like they really tried to speed up. They really tried to push the offense. Like I think it was Neil Berry's first year where they were really trying to, uh, go for like, an aggressive style of really, you know, whipping the ball around. And the first several games felt less like that they were, uh, running an offense and more that they were robots executing an offense. They weren't really taking in spatial awareness uh, of things that need to happen or you know, they, they would pass up open looks because they were too busy trying to whip the ball around the court or whatever. And I, some of that is kind of what it felt like uh, watching the offense. It was like, until the second half, and we can get into that at, at a later point, but for the majority of the first half and significant chunks of the second half, it looked like guys who were you know, it's like watching somebody who's watching their feet while they dance, right? Like they were making these plays and they were making these cuts and they were making these moves, but they were just making them because that's okay. I'm done with step one. It's now step two. I'm done with step two It's now step three. And on the rare instances in which they were actually open, they just kept doing the steps, whether they were actually really open or not. I mean, I I saw a couple of different times where, I mean, there was a transition opportunity for Andrew Jones where he pulled it out so they could run a play. Uh, there was another another couple spots where guys would have an open look and they just would pass it up because they were like, oh, well, I'm supposed to pass now. And I, you can't do that against a team like Gonzaga uh, and expect to win. And it, and it exacerbated what was already a tough matchup for him. Yeah,
2: well said. I think that if we go to the defensive side of the ball – one of the things that was uh not great <laughs> was it, whether by design or whether just you know through the sheer will of uh, kind of what gonzaga wanted to happen we started the first what like 4 to 5 minutes with timmy allen straight up on on drew timmy
1: uh him or bishop bishop did a number of yeah. them as well but yeah that, it was it was one it was not good
2: <laughs> it was it was it was sort of immediate what happened and I don't want to blame the entire game on that on that sequence there, but I, I want to say like it was like twenty to eight within the first. I don't even know how long. Like it was there was it was pretty high scoring in the first few minutes, and, and Gonzaga was was kind of pouring it on, and then it just felt like you know once their crowd, which I can imagine, you know, at a, what what time it was, it it was it was seven thirty at night after a you know after after a long day of football and kind of doing what college students do, and that I don't know that I've ever. Seen a more hostile, energetic crowd. Like maybe I have. I'm not sure, but they were absolutely into it. Like you can imagine that once they got a taste of Timmy, kind of absolutely just having his way with our with our interior guys, they were just it was done. <laughs> they were they were so ready to kind of pounce on that. And 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 in one environment, man, that was it was it was impressive. I don't I got no dislike for Gonzaga, right? They you know there's there's plenty of teams I don't like, but they're not one of them. I guess so. Uh, I did. I did think that Timmy's act was kind of bullshit. Like, he, <laughs> Shaka went after him. Like, we we tried to recruit him. Like, we we were not telling him no. We're not going to happen. He was very upfront with Texas about that he was not interested. So it's not like Texas was like, "Hey, we think you suck. We want to have Will Baker no matter what." He they they tried to go after him, and he made no bones about that he did not want to go. So this this perceived bullshit of like, oh. You, you know, from my home state school, and you didn't want me, and like I'm gonna to prove to you how good I am. Like Texas wanted you bad. Like what
0: are you talking about? So, uh, I, I thought that was kind of I thought that was kind of lame. But speaking of Shaka smart, just upset Illinois. 67 to 66, number 10, Illinois.
2: That game was disgusting. I'm not sure if either of you watched it. It was
0: awful. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah,
1: there was it, it was it was the opposite of art. Was, <laughs> uh, there were so many turnovers. I watched the first half, and there was just it a was, ton of yeah. it was it was very yeah, it, sloppy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, congrats to Shaka. I'm 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 going to root for him, like straight up. Like people can people can take from that what they will.
1: But uh, holy yeah.
0: shit, yeah, Illinois had 26 turnovers. What?
1: Yeah. They got yeah. They turned it over on thirty four yeah. percent of their possessions. <laughs> That's <positions>. insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, they they are without Cockburn, but that doesn't really matter. They also outrebounded so.
2: Illinois outrebounded Marquette by I think twenty one or twenty six. I don't remember for sure what it was. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, just, yeah. and Marquette wins. So like, well, it's whatever. Like, it's fine. Like, it's I, by twenty. Yeah. Illinois rebounded by twenty. So I was saying to some other guys tonight, like, if if Shaka thinks of Marquette. As a really good college job, like, hey, this is a college program, and I'm gonna run it like a college program, but not an NBA factory. I think he can do really well there. I think there were some parts about like recruiting guys with NBA aspirations that like could play at that level that maybe just didn't fit inside of his scheme or what he wanted. If he can recruit chip on his shoulders guys and and have them in college for a long time, I, I'm I'm rooting for him. Anyways, it's whatever. But uh, back to the Gonzaga game, I I. Timmy was fifteen for nineteen, he had thirty-seven. If he has a even an awesome game, would this have been a, a contest? I, I don't know, maybe. He had a like a no. incredible game. I don't know. If he's like
1: mm, if he's
2: no. if he's 10 for 19 <laughs> But the question becomes so that's that just leads me to our next thing. Like, do we have the personnel to keep like what what about of all the things that could have been or not been in that game? do I think that Texas, no matter who is there, DeSue or, or anybody else, do I think that we could actually match up against him? Or do I think that he would have gotten DeSue in foul trouble? just like he got, you know, like he finished against everybody else. I, I'm i not sure, but, but it yeah.
1: yeah. I, I think, yeah. I, I mean, I, I would say uh, if DeSue is there, it's probably a closer game. Um, how much closer? I don't know. I mean, it might, it might still end up being 12 points because, uh, it might not be 18 with two minutes to go at that point. So uh, I would guess it's a more competitive game with the Sioux, but, the, you know, that's speculation. Uh, what I do know is that um, Chris Beard's defense against Drew Timmy was baffling. I, I don't, I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, we're no middle team. We're going to try and do this. We've got, you know, we've got these, these various different options and wrinkles we're going to try. Uh, It's another to not tag the roller the first, like, five times he does it. Uh, It's another that you only decide to double team the dude who's 11 for 13, like, two times. And when you do it, you do it too late. Uh, It's, they threw out a 2-3 zone for a couple possessions, just, I guess, because they were like, fuck it, let's see. Uh, (laughs) It's, I, it is super early. In this in this year in this tenure, uh, so I am not going to overreact, but I am surprised that a guy who is as known for his defense, uh, you know, he's earned a, a a reputation as a defensive coach. Uh, he did not seem to really have much in the way of wrinkles on Drew Timmy. Like he just, it was, you know, it's one thing for a guy to go off from three and you'd be hitting like 28 foot shots that you just, it's hard to defend that sort of thing. It's another when, uh, drew Timmy, who is not the most fleet of foot, beat your entire team down to the other basket and sets up position before the ball even gets there, uh, which he did repeatedly. Um, that's a problem. Uh, it's another problem if your guys don't, uh, don't know how to front him effectively, which they didn't um they they just they they have a lot of things they need to clean up on the defensive end and it probably won't matter against the next four teams because they're all some shade of bad but it's something you got to see like you got to see them get in position better to deny paint touches better to uh you know to actually trap on the sideline like they should uh to help uh, Helps stop baseline drives like they're supposed to. Like there's just a lot of things they are not doing well on the defensive end, and against a solid team, it's going to be a problem. Against Gonzaga, it's death.
2: All right. So three things. The first is Beard's answer for how shitty the rest of the team was was Brock. Like that—that that, that was his answer,
1: which was hilarious. <laughs> That was, a, I mean, I I am I am the biggest Brock fan on this earth outside of probably his family, and even I started laughing when I saw that. I was like, "What? He's what is he going to pester him to death?" I don't I don't know. Anyway, Number two, my second, the
2: uh, the person who actually fronted Timmy the best, and you guys catch who did it? It was I think it was only one time.
1: Was it was it Ramy?
2: Yeah, it was Ramy. Yeah, Ramy. Yeah. Raimi, yeah. So again, like Remy's the best player. Okay, anyways, uh, and then even though he shot like balls uh, this game, but uh, and then the last part is, and I think we we talked about it a few times, can we cure what ails us against the best teams by playing the worst teams? So if you're if you're thinking about if you're thinking about hey we, we need to gel, we got to figure out what our right shots are. We got to you know really hammer down our, our rotation. I, and 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 Desu will be back when we play Northern Colorado, so I'm excited about that. And, and a lot of things can can be there. Um but can we cure what ails us against the best teams by playing the worst teams? That's that's what really this comes down to. Either you believe that we can or you don't and and that's that's just kind of where I come down about it. So, um yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes.
1: I I do want to take a take a moment to to appreciate the fact that Raimi has been playing really well. I mean, he, he he didn't hit shots in this game, but he was better at getting to the rim than most of the team. He was taking what appeared to be uh, uh, what's the word I want to look, uh, look for? Intentional shots as opposed to hurried and haggard shots. He was a calming influence as much as there could be a calming influence when you're getting dominated uh, in terms of execution on both ends. Like, I, I think Ramey is, 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 him and Jace have been the, the best surprises for me thus far.
2: Yeah, 100% uh, uh, real quickly on Jace. I I that impressed to the moon, man. He looks athletic, he looks fast, he looks skilled. He's done a better job of getting inside the lane. He's he his body looks great when he's rising for threes. It doesn't like there were times in the past where when he would shoot and it feel like wow, like what's happening and like it was so fast, but like it's almost fast simply for the sake of being fast. And this year it just it looks much more calm and under control. He looks he looks really good. Um yeah, he looks really good. So I'm excited about I'm excited about Courtney. I do think he's our best player, and I'm excited about Jace as well. That's that's something I would not have guessed a week and a half ago. If you had asked me ten days ago, I would have said I think Andrew has a chance to be the most to be the biggest beneficiary of this type of offense that will kind of help him to say, Hey, we're going to put you right in the spots that we want you to be in. And I think that that's been Jace to this point. We're like, Hey, Jace, this is what we want for you. This is exactly what we want you to do on defense, and he's
1: been up to the challenge. So. I'm excited about him.
0: Like the game has slowed down for the senior, right?
1: Well, I mean, I think yeah, I don't think it was super fast for him the last couple of years. Um, he but slowed himself down. Yeah, I think um, I think if we're going to take away, a, you know, I mean, there's not a lot of takeaways we can we can take so uh, going forward. But one of them is that if we're looking at rotations, it does appear like. Beard already trusts Jace more than he trusts a lot of other people because you know Andrew didn't play much in the second half and Jace played more. Uh, you know he's he he seems like a guy that Beard is is relying on more than some others.
2: And I, it's not surprising that Jace is going to benefit more from having a bunch of good passers on the team. The best shooters on any team will always benefit on a team that has more. You know, the more more is more as far as uh, as far as asking for a shooter.
0: So storylines like that are interesting coming out of this game and going into the rest of the season. What other storylines coming out of this past game interest you going into the rest of the season?
1: I want to see, uh, well, I do want to see what Desu does. Uh, I want to see how they deploy him because as much as I'm interested in, in what he's going to do and he will definitely help the team it's not a situation where I feel like inserting him into the lineup like reshuffles everybody into the, their natural positions or something. It's just he's another talented guy who can help the team. Uh, so I want to see how they get him involved offensively and defensively, sort of what his role is going to be, and if that adjusts the ceiling on this team at all. Um, it, I think it will help them. I think it will make them better. I don't know if it's going to make them – enough better that they have a shot against the Gonzagas and the the Kansas's of the world. But that's, that, that's one. Uh, The other uh, that I, I'm interested in watching is again, sort of seeing if what Courtney Ramey is doing thus far is something he continues to do all season because he has been, if not the best player, he's, he's definitely been the most consistent. Uh, He seems the most under control, uh, out of anybody or maybe the most sure of himself so um yeah those those are those are the two for me uh, that that's what i'm looking for early well with the sue
0: he's supposed to be one of the best rebounders out there right texas out rebounded gonzaga 33 to 32 defensive rebounds 20 to 23 offensive rebounds 13 to 9 now obviously gonzaga was hitting their shots but that's something that's if that continues going forward and you add the suit to that mix, Texas could be a pretty dominant force on the boards.
1: Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's, it, it, it could be, uh, I guess my question is how much does that move the needle? Because if their offense is still not generating high quality shots, uh, and their defense is not keeping guys out of the paint rebounding helps, but it it's, I don't really feel like rebounding is so much their problem. So it's like, the marginal gain there is fairly small relative to getting a dude who can knock down a bunch of threes or you know can always create his own shot uh, in any given situation like there there's other places where I feel like they have a bigger need than rebounding tim what are you what are your thoughts on storylines?
2: Well, I really have one consistent thought uh, I hear Johnny talk about how the offense okay. against Gonzaga was not great, and he's accurate. I do think that this team has a chance to be pretty good offensively. I really, I like our pieces. My question is, is, is Beard's head going to explode? <laughs> That's the storyline that I would like to watch. Is Beard going to just like lose his shit and just just not be able to handle it as he, in my opinion, comes to realize the best outcome for this Texas team is like an 82-72 win. Against other decent teams or good teams, I think this is this is going to have to be an outscore you team. This is not going to be a team that says, "Hey, we're going to win a rock fight." Hey, we're going to be the team that just that you know after after this after the scrum, we're going to be there. Uh, You know, if we have to like hunker down and get you know three or four stops in a row, like that's just not this team. But I do think that we have the offensive firepower, and I I like I I like almost like other than Brock. You could tell me that any guys on our team are, are and Avery, of course, but uh, like anyone else, we bring a lot of things to the table. Like you saw, of course it was garbage time, but you saw with Askew, man, Askew's quick. And if he's you know, having a chance to kind of hunt some of his shots in the mid range, that could be there. I still think that, that Marcus and Andrew and Courtney and Timmy are going to have an opportunity to be, to be playmakers. I, I think we're going to have enough shooters if he does find those minutes for Jace. I, this just seems like a team that's going to win 82 to 75 or whatever even it's decent teams but will beard be able to handle that because <laughs> I think if you had said that about Barnes like like when push comes to shove that just it was so against his DNA of who he was as a coach that he wasn't able he just never was able to say hey I see the benefits of Jacobin Brown over Justin Mason or I see the benefits of of Sheldon McClellan over oh DeMarcus Holland or I see you know the the benefits of of Jay Lucas over Doge Balbay, and it just that just was he just was never able to do that and so Beard is cut I think from from a pretty similar cloth to Rick will he be able to handle that when it's there if he can I think that this team could be actually a lot of fun as they as they explore what they can be offensively just because they're but if they if they try to fit themselves into hey we're going to be a defensive stalwart we're going to take on beard's identity we're going to be a no middle or we're going to be like a, a pain in your ass defense like we should play hard we should do what we can but obviously i think that offensively we're just much more talented on that side of the ball than we are defensively and is beard able to make personnel decisions based on that is he able to build a system based on that is he able to you know, decide who should or shouldn't be on the court in tough situations, or if someone makes a mistake defensively. But if they can help us offensively, you know, what do we do? So that at, at this point, that's my that's my biggest question mark. Because I'm really fascinated to see that storyline play out.
0: So we just saw Texas, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, play the potentially best and the potentially worst teams in the nation, in Gonzaga and Houston Baptist. Between those two teams, there's a lot of space. Where does Texas sit? Between the two teams.
1: I mean, they're clearly closer to Gonzaga than they are to Houston Baptist, right? Like, I want to couch the concerns I have in the perspective that I think even if this team doesn't figure its shit out, it's still probably going to be like, at worst, what, fifth place in the conference, right? Like it's, it's still a very talented team. It should still beat the teams it's supposed to beat. It should uh, win most of its games, even, you know, even in conference play Um, these, these concerns I have are less about what are they going to do against Kansas state and more about what are they going to do against Kansas? Right? So um, I don't see this team falling out of the top 25 unless something, you know, abysmal happens, something cataclysmic. Um, So you know, that puts them way closer to Gonzaga than Houston Baptist. Um, but at the same time, I, I haven't seen anything yet to tell me that that they are going to contend against Gonzaga or, you know, Kansas or maybe Baylor. You know, their early returns are pretty promising, like or Michigan for that exam. you know, that matter. They're, they're just not quite there yet. And and so that that's what I need to see them prove.
0: So Tim you were talking about how the defense it's not going to be a defensive team it's the offense that's going to carry this team. What does Texas need to tweak to get closer to Gonzaga, you know, from where they are right now?
2: Well, there needs to be an identity as far as what kind of shots are our normal shots to take and I, that just it's such a quick turnaround when you're when you're bringing in all these guys there's not Especially as much as Marcus and Courtney are, are capable playmakers, like they're not dominant, and they're not going to be a guy like TJ who has that innate ability to like put you in a spot where you can be successful. Like James Thomas averaged like eleven points with TJ. Like James Thomas was bad offensively, but TJ just understood how to get him spots or shots in, in spots that were helpful for him, and that's just kind of not the case. But I do think that a guy like Andrew and Courtney and Marcus and Timmy and Trey. And hopefully, as 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 Devin kind of gets more and more comfortable, we we can have five or six guys that can really create looks for themselves and for others. Now, what looks are those, and how do we how do we grow to rely on those? So, against a, you know, under Shaka, f- for us, so often we just absolutely relied on the spacing that Jace and Andrew and Courtney provided. Is that what we need in this offense? Is that kind of who we need to be for? For our offense to click, I'm I'm not so sure. I think maybe like utilizing Andrew and and maybe Jace and Courtney more as cutters, more as guys who are looking for their shots in the mid range. If if that's what we can find, I actually kind of liked how Jace found his shot a little bit and like got into the lane and got fouled against Gonzaga. I, I think that that Timmy Allen, you know, conversely, I think that if if Timmy Allen can be a guy who I know that obviously his shot's not very good. It was it was quite ugly actually when he took those shots from the outside, but a couple of them fell, so we'll take that. But just how how can we get closer to them? Like, who are we? What is what is actually our identity, and not just like, hey, this is a system that we run, but like, hey, no, these this is how we can move and and build some of those looks into. All right, well, Andrew. We feel like seven out of ten times Andrew can hit this shot if we get him a look between seven and fifteen feet, and that's good. Or Courtney can do the same thing. Like eight out of ten times Courtney can can find this mid-range jumper, and he's gonna be fine. Now, if that number drops to three out of ten or four out of ten, then that's that's a kind of a losing proposition. So, so, but but we just don't know what that is just yet, and how that works because we haven't really seen so many of these guys play together. And of course we're missing that dominant rim running big man that that's been such a, such a bailout for us for the last, well, basically the entirety of Shaka. So, so without that and without some of the other penetrating looks that we've had uh, with Matt, even as Matt was pretty inconsistent, I do think that, that they just, they just kind of have to figure that. They have to figure that out. Now, can they figure that out against some of the teams that we're going to play? Fingers crossed. Uh, but but yeah, I mean it, we just we just won't know, and maybe we'll look 15 games from now and say you know it just doesn't fit, it's just not there. We needed a Matt Coleman type who was more dynamic athletically, or we just we should have brought in a guy who. You know, I, God, I can't even think of like who it would be. <laughs> I feel so stupid thinking like uh, Monte me. Morris. <laughs> yeah, my, my platonic <laughs>
1: ideal of a of a college point guard. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a eleven point eight assist kind of guy or whatever. And and that guy probably just didn't exist in the same way that we just couldn't find a rim protector in the portal. But but it, it and it's it's if we missed if we missed our high ceiling because of that, fine. But I I don't think that this team is devoid of offensive talent they need to figure it out and some teams do figure it out and some teams don't. So if they do cool, if not, and you know, that's, that's the gig when you bring in seven new guys uh, in a, in a year like this. So.
1: Yeah, I think I have been banging this drum and I'm going to continue to bang this drum. And I feel like the Gonzaga game really put an emphasis or an exclamation point on it. that. A team with good offensive talent, which I, I agree with Tim that this is a team that has good offensive talent, is better suited by getting out and running and set and trying to get into whatever it's going to do before the other defense is set. And that is not Beard's historical M.O. Uh, he prefers to walk the ball up, and when he's what he'll run off of like a steal, but if, if it's getting uh, off of a made bucket, then he's going to walk it up and call a play and they're going to start running whatever they're running. And I feel like that does a disservice to this team because I think guys like Carr and guys like Allen and guys like Mitchell and DeSue... Uh, can do some good in the open court and I think getting them out on uh, on a faster tempo and getting out and running could unlock a lot of things especially if as as Tim is saying this is a team that's going to need to outscore people rather than be a lockdown defensive team then you, you need to accent you need to accentuate that stuff right so get DeSu moving get Carr moving don't make him create off a set defense get him you know out there and going. I mean, Gonzaga is a, is an extreme example of this, but it works for them. And some of it is is the talent they have, but a lot of it is their scheme gets them down the court so fast that the other defense is, just isn't ready. So I, that would be my you know what well, is my suggestion. I've made the suggestion many times. Not that anyone who gets paid to do this for a living should listen to me, but that's that's what Pass I for want for the offense. Yeah, right. Yeah, I I could be your. Intern Neil Berry, how's that? Yeah, you know, more threes. You need to shoot more threes. You need to run faster. Everybody run faster.
0: Yeah. So, personal takeaways from these two games, uh, positive and negative. Combine the two opponents gives you an average team. What are your positive and negative takeaways from these two games?
2: So, kind of uh, in an intangible sort of way for me, I guess I'll take it on both both fronts with that. But yeah. Again, because such such a dichotomy there, so it's hard hard to take any like really hard and fast data sets from what we see here. I, so from a from an impalpable way, I guess the, the biggest positive for me, man, they they stayed together. If you watch the timeouts, if you watch, I mean, in, in, against Gonzaga, they were still engaged. The coaches were coaching hard. They were still like substituting guys in and out. I thought that was positive. That players were were just had that that positive energy as they came through that's that's tough when you're getting your ass kicked when that environment's like that that you can't really overstate that and i think that obviously when you compare that to texas football over the last few weeks you you see what that can mean like that that belief and that hey we're gonna figure this out we're gonna be okay we're gonna it'll work out as we as we continue to bring that energy and that commitment that was i'm excited about that and that's something that i think is a really good thing considering you know, you think about the, the West Virginia game a few years ago where West Virginia just absolutely shellacked that Shaka team and just sort of the give up that seemed they're like, oh, man, they just they just laid, rolled over. And there was certainly a chance that Bolton hits that 3 point half court shot uh, at the buzzer. Like, I, you could see Texas just rolling over. But I think Texas won the second half, and part of that may well have been that Gonzaga kind of called off the dogs, uh, pun intended, I suppose. But but from the other standpoint, Texas did win. They they did win the second half. So that's that shows a team that that has some fight and spirit. So that's a positive for me. A negative is, um, uh for a defensive coach that Beard is, I haven't really liked the actual <laughs> the actual system that he's run so far. I'm not sure I agree with just about any game so far that he's called defensively. If you had said beforehand that either Bishop or Timmy was going to be relied upon to to be that kind of player, I would have said you never, ever want to put a 6'6 Timmy Allen on Drew Timmy. I don't think you want to put a guy like Christian Bishop, who we were going to rely on for being a defensive rebounder and our biggest presence. You don't put him on Timmy. Like You double-team Timmy. You make Timmy be a passer, and you figure that everyone else is going to make it work. And he didn't do that almost the entire game. I mean, like Timmy just had like had one-on-ones or if we did bring help, we brought help so late that he was able to kind of already be in his shooting action and it was just like what what is this? Like why would you make that decision? So I I certainly still believe in Chris Beard as a defensive coach, but so far it's my negative has been I I don't think you put Andrew Jones in those situations where he has to defend in space on ball. I don't think that you put Marcus Carr necessarily in those spots a lot. I don't think you you isolate Timmy Allen on one of the best post scorers in the country, like a, a likely first-team All-American. You just you just don't do that. That's just You don't do it. And why someone who has cut his teeth as a defensive coach would do that makes me this really wonder, like, what what was the thought process there? Because I, I don't know that if you play that game 10 times, if we keep the same if we keep the, the same systematic approach that that ever has a positive like I think Drew Timmy would constantly make those plays against us. Like, that wasn't a fluke. He's that good. So what were we, what were we hoping was going to happen? So that, that for me is, is, is a uh, kind of a glaring, <laughs> a glaring piece. Luckily we have really good players, but, but that, uh, that, that, that took me back a little bit.
1: Yeah. It appeared that Chris Beard was deploying the, I mean, he can't keep making five footers defense. That's that's what it was. It was it was a uh, it was amazing. So uh, we'll try Marcus Carr on him. <laughs> we'll see what happens. This. time. What if we have Marcus Carr on top of Avery Benson? What if we try that? Um, and then put a trench coat Ooh, yeah, over the two. Master Blaster. Like, yeah, Incredible. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tristan the cone. Get in there. Front Drew Timmy. Uh, that'll work out great. Because we can't double team. Double teaming is illegal in college basketball. I've been told. So yeah, I the the positives I, I've already kind of stated them is that I I've, I have liked what I've seen out of Courtney Ramey. He has been uh, arguably the best version of himself thus far. Um, the shots have fallen and not fallen, but I've appreciated you know the the process he he used to get there, the way he flowed to his shots. Like that, uh, I, I like his defense. He's what probably the best perimeter defender we have, and probably by a decent margin at this point. Um, also, Jace Febres has been great. Like I, I think there's a real shot that if he keeps doing this, he's taking somebody's starting spot. That because if if he's like this all season, uh, somebody who's starting right now is getting benched, and it's not going to be Courtney Ramey. So um, yeah, I, I think he's I think he has been great. And I think he is, I mean, one, he's the reason that Houston Baptist wasn't leading with like eight minutes left in the game because of his two threes that one of which was pretty contested, um, yeah, in the half, in the half. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah <laughs> sorry. I was thinking, yes, you're correct. Um, yeah. And you know, those two guys have, have been great. When Timmy Allen played the game that he's that, that is, that suits his skills. He did well in the Gonzaga game. Like once he, got into the paint and was doing the sort of 6 to 14-foot shots, that's the stuff he's really good at. And he can get those, and he can get them on just about anyone. So uh, if if he is doing more of that going forward, that's a positive. Um, so the negatives, as, as Tim brought up, the defense is is just bad. It's I was just, gonna say this. This is a lot of positives for you, Johnny. I was
0: just I was waiting for the other shoe.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it, was, it was it was coming. Um, it's it's a big shoe. Uh, it's a thirty-seven point shoe that that dropped on all of us. So I, I, I it's not that I expected the defense to be perfect. At this point, it's early in the season. They're installing new system for most of these guys. Basically, everyone other than Avery Benson, this is kind of a new thing for them because I don't think any of them were in no middle defenses before. So, you know, lapses happen. uh, Occasional missed rotation happens. That kind of stuff happens, right? But it has just been bad. Like, it's just been bad. And I know the numbers don't really back that up in part because one of the two games is against Houston Baptist, who is so much worse than Texas athletically that they can cover up their mistakes with just being taller and faster and able to uh, able to recover. But when even Houston Baptist is kind of reliably getting in the paint on you when you're supposed to be have, you're supposed to have this ethos that is all about not letting people into the paint. That's a problem. Uh, and, and that can be, you know, sort of pawned off as execution at some level, but, then, like Tim was talking about in the Gonzaga game, that it just didn't make any sense what they were trying. It, it really didn't. The, I mean, it is what it is. one thing to start off the game with, okay, well, Timmy's, you know, we're going to try one-on-one with Timmy and, and adjust as needed. They just didn't really adjust much, even as he's racking up 10, 15, 20, 25 points. It's, they, they did a, a little bit of a double team, like Tim talked about, that was late, and that was it, and a little bit of a 2-3 zone, and that didn't really work, and and they just it didn't make any sense, and and it's it's it is worrisome to see them be that bad defensively two games in a row with this coach.
0: So let's take a step forward here. Going forward, we've you guys have talked about what Texas needs to tweak to get closer to Gonzaga's level, you know, more like Kansas or make sure that you are better than Seton Halls and the you know the the basically the what is it the tier 2 teams you want to be that tier 1 group can you really do that against the teams that they're coming up against i mean it's i guess these are more like exhibitions cuz northern colorado the team that they're playing next just came off a loss to university of hawaii no not that university of hawaii the other university of hawaii the the the, the smaller university of hawaii the, the, the Mormon
2: the, University of Hawaii. Isn't, the, like, isn't Hilo a Mormon school? I
0: it's it's a
1: D2 school. So, okay. Oh, yeah. boy.
0: Yeah, the University of Hawaii at Hilo. Uh, so, you know, it was a nice trip to Hawaii. I'm sure they had fun. But, yeah, they just lost to a D2 school. You're playing teams like that. And then San Jose is ranked lower than that. You know, I guess, who are these teams? Do we even care? But really, what do you, what can you take away from these games? What, what do you want to see in these games that's, you know, coming off that Gonzaga game, you're like, yeah, this needs to be fixed. Is there anything that you can really take away going into this?
2: Well, some things that I want to be careful about as I watch the game is... People were pretty positive about Jalen Tyson when we came away from the end of that Houston Baptist game. Like he was – or maybe it was the exhibition, whichever game it was. It was just him and a bunch of, of walk-ons or whatever towards the end of the game. And he looked good. He was a playmaker. He was getting into the lane. He was doing this kind sort of stuff. And and it just was obvious as you watched it. Like, oh, he can't do that against good teams. Like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> like, he's not going to do that kind of thing. And so as as good as he looked – that was a situation that this was obviously there was no carryover. Oh,
0: my lord. You just made it so obvious that Texas fans are going to look at the wins against these teams and, like, oh, man, walk on is playing amazing. He should go in against Kansas when this yeah. guy is not doing well. Like, oh, he was doing great against Northern Colorado. Let's yeah. throw him in. You know, when, when Marcus Carr is struggling against Kansas, well, pff, Lincoln was, Lincoln was, uh, or Lycan.
2: Lacone, whatever it is. Lacone
0: yeah. was
1: doing great against Houston Baptist. I, I like Licken. Let's just do that. I know it's wrong, <laughs> but we'll just do that from here on out. So you, we,
2: we can... E- I talk to my players all the time when I'm coaching them, and obviously, again, as we've said a number of times, a high school tennis team is entirely different than a Division One college basketball team. Is it? But one of the things, yeah. So one of the things we talk about a lot is like, okay, we can't we can't recreate playing the best teams on our schedule against the worst teams. We can't recreate that. But you can think about like, okay, every once in a while, every like maybe once a game or even a couple times a game, you're gonna have a ball uh, against this guy. That you're like, oh, okay, well, I can attack this in a similar way that I can attack against a good player. Or, like, they hit a really good shot, like a good serve. Or they come up with a good forehand or whatever. And that's comparable. And when we do get those looks inside of the games against players that we should beat, we have to maximize those. Like, you've got to maximize those looks. Because you just we can't recreate the best teams we're going to play against in practice. We're just not good enough. So how do you find... Op- opportunities against everybody on their schedule to say, okay, I can't work on this, but I can work on this, and it will help me against the best teams. And throwing Jalen Tyson out there as a playmaker, uh, it, it, that's not going to work. That's, that's just not going to be what it is. Like saying to Christian Bishop, like, okay, here's the ball at 12 feet. Do your thing, big guy. Like that's just, that's not going to work. So what will work is if we say, all right, how can we put guys into situations where they – Can find some type of comparison, like, okay, against a much different level of competition, but we have to build Jace's ability. Like, we gotta start somewhere. We have to build his ability to say I can be a mid-range player or I can be someone who takes a, you know, who does a, a shot fake around the perimeter and then goes into the, you know, tries to get like a one or two bounce dribble into the lane. Or I can, I can find a way to say, okay, Trey Mitchell, we know that, again, you can hit seven or eight out of ten of these shots if we get the shot over this shoulder for you in this spot. Can we build that against whoever we play? Okay, Andrew Jones we know that you you know we if we find you on this reversal or this skip or if we find you around this curl you can have a one bounce dribble into you know kind of like a hard bounce 12 footer mid-range like whatever it is whatever it is are we building those shots or are we beating teams so badly that we're putting in guys we're putting guys in situations that they just that are so completely foreign to what they would be in against the best teams that it just won't matter so i Can can we do it? Well yeah, if they're if they're really thoughtful about it and they have a clear vision. Like if if Beard and his staff have a super ultra clear vision of like we know right now what we think are the best looks for these guys as they move forward and we can build in those looks right now against anybody then yeah you can absolutely build on it. We can work on first first ball shot combinations for my for my tennis players. Hey, we're going to put a, a a serve into the into the corner on the deuce side and they're going to give us a shot back in the middle of the court and we're going to go we're going to go inside out forehand to the to the ad side. Like I can build that into my game, but that's because you'd have to have that understanding beforehand. And if we're still learning, if we're still figuring out what those shots are for our guys, that we can't maximize these games. We, we, you just can't. And because it's such a finite number of games that you do get, that can give us some problems. So if you're looking for hopeful, hopefulness in, this, uh, in these next few games, it's that, hey, the staff knows our players. They have a, a concrete idea already of where we're going to be best that they're going to say, all right, these are our mid-range players. These are the guys that we want taking shots from threes. These are guys that we want going into the lane, and we're going to build as many of those looks into these games as possible. And we know that the competition is bad, but at least we'll give them reps. At least we'll kind of build some of that confidence. But if if you go out and you see Jace Febris as a playmaker, that will never translate. If you see Jalen as a playmaker, or if you see Christian as a playmaker, or Brock as a playmaker, that will never translate. It just won't translate. So so the more of like the ridiculous things that we see against these bad teams kind of the 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 worst those situations are going to be for us in the long run I think so I'm not I'm not trying to say that like I know more than the coaches but but that's my take on it
1: I I will not have you besmirch the level of competition at the Abe Lemons Classic sir This is a hallowed tradition of one year involving teams with no discernible tie to Abe Lemons. <laughs> and that's, that's just how you unite the family. So. Like
0: yeah. you said, Tim, every player's favorite games was against Pan American
1: University State. I mean, UT Pan American is a place that Abe Lemons actually coached at. It's now UT Rio Grande Valley, who we play later, not in the mm. Abe Lemons Classic. Not All that right. I've thought about this a lot. I'm sorry, no, Western you're...
0: Carolina.
1: Yeah, there, there we go. Okay, all right. So, uh, what do I want to see out of this? That that do we play Western Carolina? No, oh, no. Oh, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were they were too high level. Um, <laughs> they're they're in the top half of Ken Palm, and that's we just can't have that. So, um, I I think for for this, if we're looking to. For, for signs of hope, and I don't want to say signs of hope because that's that's too dramatic. Like, if we're looking for things that make us positive about the, the potential of this team, I want to see, on the defensive end, I want to see Texas take away the thing a team does well on defense. And I know these are pretty bad teams, but they still do some stuff well. Like, Northern Colorado shoots a pretty fair amount of three-point shots, and they're making a pretty high percentage, so it'd be nice to see them, one, push them into... Uh, tough shots, or to deny them those three-point shots in the first place. That would show some sort of not only uh, defensive intensity, but specificity of game plan against who you're playing against. And they may not do that just because it doesn't really matter. Like, maybe they want to spend all of this game working on the offensive side of things because they're sort of practicing against air here, but... Uh, that would be something i would want to see because the the best programs take even these position these these buy games and they use them to try and work on specific things and i, I want to see some level of coherence to the defense consistent coherence to the defense that i just i haven't seen thus far so that for me that's that's where it's going to be especially because we have a coach who is noted for his defense so i want to see some defensive improvement I, I don't have a tennis analogy here i'm sorry
0: so, do we want to get into the history of Northern Colorado?
2: If Avery Benson's pick up three three quarter court volleys are not as strong as we think they can be, we got no chance. No chance.
1: True. True. His hair Johnny. would be glorious to watch and like unstoppable. Yeah, as as he's running across court, like some, kick serves for days. Come his, on, let's some this. sort of you know pre balding Andre Agassi kind of thing going on there.
2: If he comes out in jorts. Uh, I'm all in.
1: Yeah, we yeah, he, he really do need to have. I mean, maybe in the the game in the Greg, just have everybody come out in jorts. It'll be the Avery Benson Classic
2: against. Uh, uh, it can't be against Tech or Arkansas Little Rock. It's got to be against teams that he did not play for previously. So,
0: <laughs> Johnny, instead of breaking down Northern Colorado, can you tell me a little about the history of Greeley, Colorado?
1: I mean, other than that, they basically invented Al Qaeda. No, no, I don't have anything for you. Uh, um, what? Yep, uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, I, I would strongly recommend anyone uh, who who likes that sort of that sort of thing to go buy The Looming Tower by Lawrence Wright. He's a Texas alum. He wrote for the Texas Monthly forever. I think he still does on occasion. Uh, it talks about Saeed who was in the, I, think, I want to say it was the 1940s at this point. It might have been the 50s. I think it was the 50s. Was 19, so
0: that, 19, yeah. Late 1940s, early 1950s. Yeah, yeah, it was post-war. It was, there for, it was there in 1949 for half a year.
1: Yeah, that's right. And so, uh, yeah, he was a, a, a conservative uh, Muslim who came to the U.S. for, was it to teach or was it for school? I forget. I'll, I'll school? Point. Yeah, for school. And, Um, the, the ankles on the women in Greeley, Colorado offended him so that he went back and, uh, wrote a number of papers that became the foundational documents for the Muslim brotherhood and, you know, Al Qaeda and ISIS. And so thank, thanks again, Northern Colorado, you invented ISIS. Greeley, one of the most conservative counties
0: in Colorado was dry until the 1970s in a state that
1: has... cores (laughs) cores <laughs> so yeah it's a it's a really good book by the way yeah like just in all seriousness it is an amazing book on sort of the history of of uh, islamic fundamentalism all the way up until 9-11 basically
0: but san jose state uh, let's pretend we're al-qaeda they...
1: for the next hour i'm sorry was that no <sighs> no is that going to get us on a list
0: that's probably going to get us on a list, but okay. San Jose State, the 331st team in Ken Palm. Do we want to even go into it?
1: I mean, it is the third most difficult game we'll have faced at that point. So there's that. Because Northern
0: they, Colorado is 183rd.
1: Yeah, they're second most difficult. So
0: that's you know what you're right. Yeah, this is the third most difficult game Texas has had so far. So with that in mind. What do we... Is it the same
1: thing? Just... I mean, it's... If if you want a fun fact, it's coached by Tim Miles, who once coached Nebraska for a few years in a prolonged bout of mediocrity, and now he's hanging out in downtown San Jose, coaching there. Cool. I imagine yep. housing prices are a bit higher there than they were in Nebraska.
2: I think Spidge. Adobe's headquarters is there in san jose i'm pretty sure
0: there are a lot of headquarters there including the nhl team the san jose sharks
2: yeah temu solani let's do this
0: all right guys i want to you know what let's end this off on a a high note give me a scott drew fun fact
2: well i've got a i've got a movie quote so i'm gonna let johnny do the fun
1: fact please do i put me on the spot here um does it feel you son of a bitch piece of shit fuck you johnny so this is this is what it's like when when you get past his false modesty and how he won't correct anyone and how he's super Canadian is you get like two drinks into him and you just he starts calling your entire ancestry terrible things it's just awful he's a really terrible human when you get any amount of alcohol in him like, are we
0: talking sh- about Scott Drew or Tim
1: Tim it's definitely Tim okay Tim. yeah uh, uh, yeah uh. Uh, Scott Drew has a a poster of Katub on his wall how's that oh. Uh. Is it is this sort of like a it's like it's more like a dream board, you know, like it's it's, it's, like, it's him. like Helga
0: from Hey Arnold sort of thing.
1: I, I'm thinking more like it, it's it's him with visions of his future. And he's like, I, I want to be him. Uh, and he surrounds it with photos of like dead kittens for whatever reason. And um, Taylor Swift album covers for whatever. I, I don't I don't know why, but it's it's a combination of the three.
0: Huh? Interesting.
2: Uh, Scott Drew looks shorter than the guy who plays, uh, Gurney Halleck in the new Dune movie. I can't think of his name. The Thanos guy. This is embarrassing.
0: Scott Drew is shorter in real life than he looks on TV. Well, how, who's the, who's the Gurney Halleck guy on Dune? Johnny, you know
2: who
1: that is. Play I, I do, but I'm really enjoying watching you f- flail around. Oh, you missed your son of a bitch. Come
0: on, <laughs> that guy. What an asshole. I got, guys... Thank y'all for pretending we were basketball for the past hour. Josh
2: Brolin. Josh Brolin. That's what it is, It's Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin looks so short in Dune. It's incredible how short he looks. It's remarkable. Well, what he, a great movie. He but is man, next he to short.
1: Jason Momoa, who is like 6'8 at 300 He looks short
2: next to Oscar Isaac. Like, he doesn't even look tall
1: next to him. Yeah, but Oscar Isaac is actually 6'5. It, 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 nobody knew that, but he is. Yeah,
0: have y'all seen the picture of Kevin Hart next to Shaq and Shaq next to Yao Ming? It was Yao, Yao Ming, Ming next to, like, next to
1: tallest Mount, guy. Mount Rushmore or-
2: <laughs> what that that <laughs> that hotel in Dubai or Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Anyways, I've been your host Will Bazer. You guys can find me on Twitter at w i l l b a i z e r. Johnny Brashear Where can we find you? Uh
1: on Twitter at bitterwhite guy, on Substack at bitterwhiteguy.substack.com uh and then and, and here, also here. Yeah, and uh Tim
2: yeah, on uh, Twitter on at InsideTexasHoop, no S, and com. We have an awesome community. We would love to have you there. Come join us.
0: And before we get to your movie quote, uh, thank you again to Brittany M. and Colsey for sponsoring the show this week. I think... I don't know if I'm going to do another football podcast until Texas wins, so that might not be until next year, if that is the case. I will definitely be pausing patreon payments until then uh just because
1: you know it's like a hunger strike but money yeah yeah anyways tim
2: this is for all you new people i have only one rule everybody fights no one quits if you don't do your job i'll kill you myself welcome to the roughnecks
0: that's my favorite rudy quote Right there. Tim you just nail it every every week.
2: Every time. You're welcome guys. Thanks. You're welcome.
0: Thank y'all for listening. We will see y'all next week. Hook 'em.
2: Hook 'em horns.